You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 25, covering Return to Tomorrow and Patterns of Force. Hello, friends. How are you? Fine. We are back. Yes, we often say that, and uh, today is no exception. <laughs> we are just as back now as ever we was. Yep. And this week, we are stalling because we really don't want to talk because... about it. So. This may be... Would you call this the worst week? Uh, the worst week so far. Yeah. It... That's, that's uh... the problem, is we know what's coming. We, we, we know what season three is all about, and I fear... We... We have seen the future, and it is us being really yeah. bored by bad episodes. It turns out it's man. So, Alana of Troyes is coming. Yeah, I don't want to watch that. No, and uh, the the way to Eden that's coming. I, I don't want to watch that. That at least is stupid. Alana <laughs> oh. of Troyes is just boring. As, as is uh, Return to Tomorrow, the, uh, oh, the nonsensically yes. titled. Return to Tomorrow, which uh, was yours. So uh, Yeah, lucky old me. Why don't we tell the people about that, Matt? All right. So surprising literally everyone ever, the Enterprise is traveling where no man has gone before when they arrive at an ancient and destroyed planet and an ancient and destroyed voice. The voice addresses the ship's crew as its children and proclaims death for all mankind if they do not come and visit him, reminding me very much of my grandparents. Kirk, Bone, Spock, and an extremely attractive young woman whom I was horrified to learn would grow up to become the decrepit and crotchety Dr. Pulaski are selected by the voice to beam down to the planet. Upon arriving, they meet Sargon, a magic-glowing beach ball who claims to have once been a great space traveler. He begs, Kirk to borrow his bo- he begs to borrow Kirk's body so that he and the last of his people can build android, robot, mechanical, cyborg, mechanized, electronic bodies made of metal. <laughs> Kirk agrees, allowing Sargon into his body, where he engages in some of the most ridiculous chatting I've seen since the last time he shatted it up. Then Sargon introduces his wife, Thalassa, and friend, Henok, who also need bodies. Sargon leaves Kirk's body, which is burning itself up, what with all of his overacting, and everyone returns to the Enterprise. After some consideration, Kirk, Spock, and Pulaski all agree to play host to the aliens while their brains are stored in protective beach balls. While Sargon and Thalassa get to work banging bits of metal together, Mr. Hennock takes full advantage of Spock's body, mostly by leaning in doorways and smiling creepily. Surprising absolutely no one this time, Mr. Hennock decides to keep Spock's awesome body, making this the first time Spock's body has been stolen, and tries to kill Sargon. There is some further mucking about. Mr. Hennock attempts to take over the ship. Chapel poisons him, and Sargon and Thalassa decide they would rather be they would rather die than be robots. Make out as Kirk and Pulaski a little, and then everything goes back to normal. I have no idea what the episode title refers to. I would have called it the Hennock Agenda, or as the director called it, the huge ping pong balls. I like that you started calling him Mr. Hennock in an effort to make him uh, more like Mr. Hengis, whom we found interesting. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad to finally have a body, Captain Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just use all my time leaning in doorways and smiling creepily. Yeah, if if the guy who possessed Spock, like if if uh, if he could smoke on a uh, starship, he mm-hmm. totally would have been smoking. He just he had that oh, posture constantly. Like I got nothing, but I'm so cool. Look at me taking a lean. Oh, I have. Who doesn't I have enjoy a good so... slant? 
I have waited so long to lean in a doorway. <laughs> so, uh, was, was this episode an eight-parter? It sure felt s- like it. Several days passed as we watched this, and I have no idea how you were able to come up with so many words for your summary, because, <laughs> frankly, I actually wrote my own summary for this. I know we don't usually do it this way, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I can sum this up in six words. Bodiless aliens possess crew, then die. Oh, yeah, that would have saved me a lot of time. Can I just can I go back and do that? No, because you you had jokes, but I, I wanted oh, to well, make the yes. point that, that that really covers everything that happened. Only it happened in fifty two minutes or however oh, long episode was back then. There was a point towards the end of the episode when I checked to see how much time was left, and it we'd only been twenty minutes in. Yeah, I like how you started that sentence by saying near the end of the episode. It only felt like near the end of the episode. It was actually yeah. Just the it was it, the entire episode felt like the end of the episode. There just there was nothing going on for so long. Okay, you know, and and often I make allowances and say, okay, you know what, TV was different back then. Like we have different sensibilities. Movies are faster paced and more editing mm-hmm. now. And blah, blah blah. You know what? We've watched a lot of episodes that kept us on the edge of our seats. Yeah. You look at an episode like the Doomsday Machine, where every minute is something yes. cool happening, and there, yeah. it's not a pacing issue at all. And even when nothing is happening, the tension is just ratcheted up. But this yeah. was just. No, there was nothing. No we knew we knew possibly, you know, Pulaski, whatever her actual character's name was, might die, but Kirk's pocket yeah. bones would be fine because they always are. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's true every week, but like, yeah. they don't even, like, there's not even any pretend tension here, you know? It's just like, well, by, by the 10 minute mark, we were planning out, we were already figuring out where this episode was going to go. Okay, well, this guy's going to steal Spock's body, and then this will yep. happen. Yep. And then possibly this chick will join up with him. I briefly suspected that she might be banging the guy in Spock's body. Yep, and they hinted at that even, so you weren't yep. completely wrong. Yeah. But, so yeah, well, mostly it was about the 25-minute mark, which in relative time felt like hour five. Mm-hmm. I just started opening, you know, checking my email, looking at my yep. RSS reader, looking on Twitter, just like, oh, that, have I missed anything? Nope. In fact, I'm nope. pretty sure we were having some uh, technical issues at that point. Skype stopped working. And yep. we had to ask each other, are, are you just bored or are you not making jokes right now? Yeah. No, it was just there was nothing happening. No, and typically we try to, you know, assuming both of us are, are at full capacity, at, you know, with full energy levels, we do a bit of like an MST3K thing where we watch the episode yeah. and we both shout jokes at the episode. But <laughs> there wasn't enough happening for us to do that. Mm-hmm. It was just, there was nothing. The only salvageable piece, there was all, I mean, mm. you know, Bone, Bones is always okay. Yes. He was all right. But the only salvageable piece other than, you know, a few Bones lines here and there was um, Kirk had a very famous speech that's repeated and referenced in lots of other things, which is the uh, risk is our business speech. Yeah. That was, that was pretty uh, cool. It was, but it was, it felt out of place here. It belonged in a better episode because mm-hmm. it felt like somebody wrote a good speech and just had it lying around a scrap of paper and they're like, uh... Kirk needs to make a speech here. Let's use this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and I mean, Shatner gets another chance to do his whole his whole bit during this episode too. And during that, he just oh my god, he yeah, lots of uh, eats well, all of the scenery, every bit of it. And um, what's weird is you know you see uh, you see Nimoy and you see um, Diana Mulder, the chick who played uh, the, the chick, and later Doctor Pulaski, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, also get possessed, and they're not thrashing all around. They're you know they're playing nope. it like my character does this, and my character possessed, you know, like an actor like would. 
Yeah, uh, and, and Nimoy, you know, it's always good to see when he's given a chance to actually smile. Yep. Or, or laugh or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. it, that was cool. It's always good to see him because he. It, it's we're so familiar with the character now that it does seem out of place and creepy. Yeah, it was very off-putting seeing it just... As soon as he leans in that doorway, you're like, that dude's up to something, and he wants well, yeah, Spock's cause... awesome body, and who wouldn't? Well, of course. We all want Spock's body, Matt. We do. Let's be honest. Now, I am I, being I'm honest. Gonna, I'm gonna call it now. This is not the worst episode we've seen. It's not the stupidest episode we've seen, but it is the most tedious. Mm-hmm. And I hope to God that it stays that way. I hope we don't get any more that are this long and just Yeah, arduous. please... Please, could this be it yeah. for the? I mean, I I can deal with stupid because part of part of our little mission here is to yes. mock. Like if if we don't like it, at least we can make fun of it. It's the it's this mid range where nothing happens where we just we got nothing to yeah. do. Just, I mean, we try to we try to balance out our love for the thing and our our mockery of the thing, but here it's neither. There, it's no, just, it was just yeah. a thing happened for fifty minutes, and I wish I had been doing something else. Yes, exactly. Um, and you, we, we should never say that watching Star Trek. No! Never, never, never. Star Trek is the best thing. It's one of the best things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also, this does give me the opportunity to say that, uh, much like I don't like episodes where people are turned into stuff, I don't like episodes where people are possessed. Yeah. I think if this were a fantasy show, if this were a magic show or a horror show, like, <laughs> something where supernatural things were involved, like, I would like that. No, really, because, I mean, I'm thinking, like... Shows like Buffy or Angel or something, you know, yeah. something where there's a, an element of magic or horror. Like, yeah. I'm fine with possessions, but for straight up science fiction, I think possession is stupid. Yeah. Look, Jim, a wizard. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> well, I think that's stupid. You know, that's, uh, that's a whole other thing. But we don't need to go back into uh, Cat's Paw. <laughs> Look, Jim, a unicorn. <laughs> it's possessed me. Now I uh, <laughs> now I have one horn. Now we must go to Candy Mountain. Nay. <laughs> Look, Jim, a magical Deplorigon. Leo Pluridon. Leo Pluridon. <laughs> oh no, you've taken my freaking kidney. <laughs> so yeah, not uh, not not great. Not um, great. Not good, even. No, and not bad enough that we can say anything funny about it. Yeah. So, there's that. I, again, I don't like possession episodes. And the thing is, like, if you get a, an episode that's kind of weak, like the immunity syndrome, you, you make up for it by writing awesome character stuff, and that makes it strong again. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the immunity syndrome in itself was kind of a dumb idea. Yes. But because there was such a strong character arc with, with uh, Bones and Spock, mm-hmm. that salvaged it and made it a really good episode. But that's what they should have done here. But there was nothing at stake for anyone we cared about. Yeah. And... The for, two main for, guys were possessed for most of the episode, so. Yeah, so, like, all we really had was Bo- was uh, Bones and Scotty, and I think Chapel played a pretty major part in this one. But, like, they didn't have a whole lot to do, you know? Like, Oh, yeah, poor Chapel. Once once again, uh, <laughs> when, when Spock was possessed, he's suddenly like, oh, how are you doing? Say. You know, he's, like, touching her face and stuff. Uh-huh. And fucking poor Chapel, just, like, trying her best to, to you know, to hide her crush from Spock and trying mm-hmm. to be professional about it. And then, through no fault of his own, he leads her on, and I'm just like, I feel so bad for that chick. Yep. Anyway. Anything else about this one, or are we ready to push No, I think that's about it. I hope that's about it. All right. Let's never talk about this again. 
Let's never speak of it again. Yeah. Uh, on to Patterns of Force. Uh, so four episodes ago, we visited the Gangster Planet. You know the one. It had the gangsters on it. Four episodes from now, we'll be visiting a planet modeled after ancient Rome. And this week, it's the Nazis. I hate these guys. Actually, I don't. At least not in fiction. But seriously? All the just-like-an-ancient-earth culture episodes are right in a row like this? I knew to expect them when we began, but not all sort of bunched together like this. Damn it, Star Trek, don't make me get bored with you. That's not supposed to happen till Enterprise. So yeah, the Enterprise. The real Enterprise, not the stupid Scott Bakula one. Goes to Planet Swastika 2 to catch up with the Federation historian. Kirk and Spock beam down to discover, via convenient and cost-saving stock footage, the thing I told you happened. It's a planet of Nazis. And not wuss Nazis like you get in entertainment now. These guys goose-step and say Sieg Heil and all that crap. Which is strange when you consider that in 1968 there were tons of people still alive who fought these guys and probably lost family members to them. Which makes this a little less whimsical than the gangster planet because, well, gangsters killed people, but they did provide necessary liquor at a time when we needed liquor the most. Nazis were just evil. Which begs the question, when people on this planet have internet arguments, who do they compare their opponents to? Anyway, Kirk and Spock beat up some guards and take their uniforms, which I'm pretty sure is like the secondary or tertiary directive after that non-interference one nobody pays attention to. Then they get caught. Then they escape. Then they get caught again. This goes on for a while, and we gradually accumulate more forgettable characters, including a bunch of beret-wearing La Resistance types. Eventually they discover that the historian they were looking for has been drugged into being Hitler. <laughs> which, okay, I'm sure there must have been a good reason that somebody developed a drug to turn somebody into Hitler, but damned if I can think of one. Kirk snaps him out of it by killing him and ruins another planet before riding off into the sunset. But since this was a planet of Nazis, we're okay with that this time. Ugh. Yeah. This was better and had, like, it had some fun moments in it. I will definitely say that. It did. Yes, absolutely. But it was still not, you know, not great. No, not not good. And again, like I said, we, we got them all, not exactly in a row, but very close, these, uh, Let's go to a planet that's almost exactly like Earth. Mm-hmm. It's starting to feel like there's no wonder that the ratings dropped in Season 2. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I'll give it a little credit. The Nazi thing was a direct result of an Earth human who knew about Nazis. Yep. And that works so much better than dropping a book on it or <laughs> parallel development or whatever. You leave a copy of Mein Kampf on a planet and the people are just going to think, this guy can't <laughs> write for shit. Yeah. And look at the drawing he did on the inside cover. This isn't any good either. I, I do sort of buy a human forming Nazi Germany and installing himself as Fuhrer. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it worked better in the uh, Justice League episode when Vandal Savage did it. Uh, yes. Well, I mean, everybody's met that guy who's just a little too into Nazi uh, paraphernalia. Well, sure, in our circle it's actually a girl. But, uh, yeah. Yes. Um, it, it must not have been a lot of fun for Nimoy and Shatner because they're both either Jewish or of Jewish, Jewish extraction. And, again, it's only about 20, 20, 25 years after the war. Yeah. I can't imagine these guys were having a lot of fun dressing up as Nazis. Here, put this on. Um, my dad was Do in I a concentration to? camp. No, no, you're fine. Yeah. Put this on. You look It'll good. Fun. Well, everyone looked good in that episode, let's be honest. Well, yes. Or in that uniform, rather. Yes. Uh, there was a bit when they're escaping the cell, which was just absolutely ridiculous. They have these little mm -hmm. subcutaneous uh, tracking devices, and they dig them out of their arms with a with a piece of rusty metal from the bed, and yeah, then so... rub them against the light bulb. Yeah, so uh, it... <laughs> on top of everything else, they also pick up Nazi tetanus. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure they haven't been inoculated for uh, for Third Reich tetanus. So yeah, there, <laughs> there is a bit of comedy there though, as as Spock is like standing on Kirk's back, like they do play a little. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, where where Spock's kind of giving some exposition, like it's a nice way to distract from the exposition where there's some like slapstick happening at the same time. Yeah, so that was all right. But um, uh... but otherwise, it's just, there there actually weren't a lot of laughs, and I don't think there could have been. No. What with it being about Nazis? I mean, at all. you get too much into that. Yeah. Although, then again, you know, this was the the time period when um, Hogan's Heroes was on. I guess that's true. And apparently, you know, people thought it was hilarious to to set something in a Nazi prison camp. So I, I don't know. Kirk. <laughs> Colonel Kirk. <laughs> Bones, so, we, Bones, we got to tunnel out of here. <laughs> So there, there was a dude in La Resistance, which they didn't call it that, but everyone wore berets and it was underground, so it was obviously La Resistance. It was very La Resistance. And there was a dude who looked like he was from the future uh, of about 1978. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a suede yep. jacket and a groovy mustache. He's just like, wow, where, where did that guy come from? Pulled up in his Econoline van. Probably the same Lazarus. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I guess the whole deal with the historian was that he thought Nazi Germany was the most efficiently run period in Earth's history. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, that, that's true. apparently didn't do the research into how how well that that went. Well, as long as they didn't invade uh, space Russia, I think they'd be fine. <laughs> so the Klingon Empire or the Romulan Empire, depending on uh, yeah what what metaphor you're doing this week. Um, but it, <laughs> they really don't actually seem very efficient because the same guys spot Kirk and Spock like three different times. Oh yeah. They send him to jail the first time, and then the other two times it's like, oh, well, everything appears to be in order here. Well, no. Yeah, just they just keep walking past him in uniform. Ah, I see you've noticed my friend here. Ah, uh, his ears were picked off in a mechanical rice picker. Oh, no. well, that seems valid. Off you go. You're going to get a suit Enjoy by being Allison. Nazis. <laughs> uh, I'm not worried. He'll be dead soon. Oh, well, by his own admission, he'll be dead soon. Yes, and but by yeah. his own hand. <laughs> There really just wasn't a lot going on again. Like, it wasn't boring exactly, mm-hmm. but it was just like, all right, get get to it. Like, there, there was no point being made. There wasn't really anything fun. It was just like, yep, they sure are in space Nazi Germany. Yep. I mean, that was it. There's there's really nothing nothing to it. I kind of liked Bones as an SS. Uh, yeah, that was okay. I uh, mean, seeing them all in their uniforms was cool. But as a drunk SS guard. Well, he is Bones. Let's be honest. Yes. We've seen his liquor cabinet in sickbay before. Yeah, we have. <laughs> but yeah, overall, it's, I don't know, I feel like if they if they wanted to save money, if they wanted to do this whole, like, you know, Roman plan and Nazi plan and gangster plan, maybe they should have done, like, some time travel episodes. Just full-on go back to Nazi Germany and do something. That, that just would have worked yeah. a little better for me. Yeah, like... It seems like whenever they went back and... Well, I guess Guardians of Forever, they went back to... Uh, the depression but i mean yeah. like the rest of the time they go back to now of you know the 60s or in the movies now of the 80s yeah whenever the current time period yeah exactly of the story being made yeah so yeah but um it, it seems to me just like i don't know i know they didn't do arcs back then but it, it might have been cool to do a three or four episode stretch where like you know they leave nazi germany and end up in roman times and then they end up in you know gangster times like you know make it i don't know i i, I I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to rewrite it. We're, we're dealing with just, what just happened. anything. Yeah, not with what we wanted to happen, so. Yeah, that's a, that'll be a different podcast. Yeah, exactly. 
we've already decided how how we could have made Voyager good. We'll uh, we'll get to that someday. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anything else on this one? Again, uh, I think the show's going to run a little short this week because there's just not much to say about this episode. Yeah. No, I think that's about it. All right. So, uh, for for your episode. All right. In the future, in the future, in the future. The years will not be kind to Doctor Pulaski. Not <laughs> kind at all. Oh, I like that character, but we'll we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah. And for for patterns of force in the future, in the future, in the future, space Poland is invaded by space Nazis, while space Neville Chamberlain advocates a futile policy of space appeasement. <laughs> in space. In space. Uh, all right. You got a quote? I do. Uh. Bones basically sums up my feelings on this episode perfectly. That's the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Need we say more? Thank you. Thank you, Bones. <laughs> and mine is uh, the obvious one. There were a couple of okay quotes here, but this is... Uh, sometimes I just go with the one, the on-the-nose one because it's just so great. And, uh, this one is no exception. Your uniform, Captain. Yes, it's a shame yours isn't as attractive as mine. Gestapo, I believe. Quite correct. You should make a very convincing Nazi. So, yeah. Um... Next week, hopefully, we have some better episodes coming up. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, I fear as season two comes to a close and as we start slogging through season three, we're going to have weeks like this where we're, just, we're struggling to have stuff to talk about. Yeah. We will We will have we're to step to up our that. game. Yeah. We will endeavor to make those incredibly tedious episodes better for you, the person at home who does not have to watch them. No, and that's that's one of the services we provide to you is if you want to know the basics about mm-hmm. Star Trek, but... Or at least know which episodes are worth watching. We're here for you. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly don't these have to watch them all. We're not. Avoid these two. No. Yes. Um, one, and one think other... of us, the greatest hero of all. Yes. <laughs> um, one thing I did want to mention, um, our, our friend Irish Gav, who was on a couple of weeks ago, uh, we've committed to doing oh, yeah. at least one episode, uh, uh, one three-episode show with him per season. Um just because we like him and because he's got fun stuff to say. Uh, he started a blog uh, where he's reviewing Star Trek Voyager. Um, he, I, it, I, is, it is excellent. It is. It's, it's quite amusing. And uh, I, I wanted to initially uh, offer him a spot on the Postonic Horror blog, uh, which we've been both contributing stuff to. Um, and then I realized, no, we're going to be getting to that show eventually. And that seems a little out of place. I mean, if he wants to, you know, review other stuff, that's by all means, we'll, mm. we'll feature him because he's a, he's a regular contributor to the show. But, yes. uh, you know, because it's so far off, because it's years and years off, uh, I told him we'll, we'll happily plug and, and give him links and stuff. So uh, mm. if you want to see what Gav thinks about Voyager, check out uh, his link is on postomichorror.com. And uh, he'll be updating that periodically. So, yeah. Uh, and as I mentioned, postomichorror.com uh, has been hosting... Uh, I think Matt's ahead of me right now, uh, writing about different things, but I'll, uh, I can't stand that. So I'm sure I'll be doing more stuff soon. <laughs> you know how competitive God damn it, I didn't expect you to actually, to actually provide content. No, see, I thought you might, but then I thought, well, it is Star Trek. So, you know, I figured you might actually deliver on that. Um, but you know, you've been reviewing some of the comics and some of the books and, and, uh, yep. I started in on some of the comics and I'll be reading some books here shortly. What, what I would like to do is I have a small pile of, I think six or seven original series books that I'd like to read and review before we get out of the original series. Yeah. And then as we're doing next gen, I'll read some next gen ones, but that way we can kind of keep things. I mean, I'm not saying we can never go back, but I'm saying it might be nice to, uh, you know, to, to review the things while we're sort of in that mode on the show. So. Yes. 
but we'll be in we'll be in the original series in one form or another, including the animated series and the movies through the rest of this year. So we have plenty of time. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you want to, uh, Matt's just recently reviewed a, a book he rather liked. Um, Prime Directive. Yeah, which uh, Judith and Garfield, Reeve Stevens, those guys put together yep. excellent track books. So really good, really good stuff. Reviews on the uh, on the website. Yep, and like I say, I'll be I'll be coming up with some stuff soon. So check that out, and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully next week we'll have some better episodes for you. Yeah. So we that's pray. all for now. All right, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit for this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed. 